to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Tonight, we're going to pick back up in John chapter 11. We've uh, been away for a couple weeks, but we are looking at Lazarus, Jesus and Lazarus. When we started John chapter 11, we saw that Lazarus was sick, uh, that he was very ill, and Mary and Martha sent to retrieve Jesus, to bring him so that he could possibly heal Lazarus. And we know that Jesus waited. Uh, He took some extra time and waited and did not go immediately so that uh, he could show God's power uh, when he did come to finally see Lazarus. And we know that now Lazarus has passed on. Uh, Jesus tarried long enough that Lazarus has passed from this earth. And he is now in paradise awaiting uh, the fulfillment of Christ going to the cross. We're going to pick up in John chapter 11 and verse number 17. The Bible says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and had and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth under the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Then Jesus therefore saw, or sorry, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lift up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Let's pray. Father God, again, we are so very thankful for your love, your care, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, for your your provision and your protection. Lord, we know that your ways are much higher than our ways and your timing is impeccable. You are never early, never late, but always on time. God, you know exactly what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. And you know exactly how to do it. Lord, today as we study this resurrection, as we study this lifting up of Lazarus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that we would understand that in grief there is joy. And in all things, you are perfect and present. So God, please guide us and direct us tonight. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we were last in this book, we saw Jesus' friend Lazarus had fallen sick and he had died. And Jesus had tarried, explaining to his disciples that Lazarus was sleeping and he was going to go to wake him. And, and all of these things. Finally, we get to the point where he plainly says, Lazarus is dead. And he says, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And the, his disciples are afraid. They're worried because he had just left Jerusalem. It wasn't that long ago that he had been teaching in the temple and they had tried to stone him and he had left Jerusalem so that he wouldn't be stoned. And now he's going to turn around and go back. And in verse number 16, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. Well, the master's going to go and die. I guess we should go with him. And that was their that was their feeling. They were going to die. They were they were feeling that they were going to go and they were going to be killed. And as we see here, as we begin our lesson tonight, Christ has arrived and Lazarus has been dead and in the grave for four days already. And as soon as Jesus comes. Martha comes to meet him. Verse number 20, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Now it's interesting there, the last time we saw Martha and Mary, Martha was the one cumbered about much serving, and Mary was the one sitting at Jesus' feet. Now the roles have shifted a little bit. Martha is the one going to meet Christ, and Mary is the one that's consumed in her own thoughts and staying behind. But 
I have a feeling as Martha is going to meet Christ that it's not going to be a happy meeting. I don't. When I picture this in my mind, when I put myself there as I read through this, I see a woman who is angry, who is almost accusing the Lord. She comes to him and she said, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. We sent for you days ago. You weren't that far away. If you had gotten here, Lazarus would still be alive. There are a few reasons why I feel like Mary Martha here is a little upset. And it, it just kind of goes to, it's not really the, the way it's written. It's just some of the things that I understand about Martha and Mary that because of what we know about them. We don't see anywhere else where any family is named for Martha and Mary. We only see Lazarus. So if Lazarus is dead and Lazarus is the only family they have, Martha and Mary are most likely widows. Lazarus was their support. He was the one that was going out and providing for them. So here I see a woman, not only has she lost her brother, but she has lost her livelihood. She's looking at a very uncertain future. I also see a woman who has placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and and sought Him knowing what He's capable of, and yet He's refused to do that. That's a pretty hard thing for us. I know back in 2010, 2011, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would miraculously heal her. That we would go to the doctor and they would scan and all the cancer would just be gone. And I promised God if he would do that, that we would proclaim his glory everywhere. But he didn't choose to do that. Instead, he chose to take her home. And while I had spent a lot of time while she was in the the hospice house studying and and seeking God and trying to understand His will and coming to grips with the fact that she was going to be gone, even for a brief moment, I was still very upset that God did not do what I asked Him to do. I had read the promises. If you pray in my name, you'll have it. If you you serve and, and you, you ask the things that I will, you'll have it. And I thought, for sure... Surely this would be something that would be in his will. It wasn't until after I woke up the next morning, after I I had sat next to my wife's bed and listened to her take her last breath, went home and went to sleep, got up the next morning that I realized that God had done exactly what I wanted him to do. He had just not done it the way I wanted him to do it. He had made her whole. And perfect again. Just in his own way. So Martha here is questioning the Lord. And I feel like she's upset. And she's frustrated. Saying Lord we loved you. We served you. We cared for you. And when we ask for your help. You're not there. And Christ is quick. To remind her who he is. Martha continues, she says, if you were here, 
my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. It's interesting that she knows that God will hear his prayers. She knows that God will hear him and will give him what he desires. But here in a, a few verses, she doesn't understand what Christ is going to do. He plainly says, your brother shall rise again. He says, take away the stone. And she says, but Lord, he's, he's been in there for four days. He stinks. How easy is it for us to know something? But to not truly know it. There are people all over this world that know there is a God. They know there is a Lord. But they don't know Him. They're going to miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance from their brain to their heart. They'll be the ones... They come to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done these great works in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you, ye workers of iniquity. Because they have a mental assent that says there is a God. There was a man, Jesus, that walked this earth. But they haven't made that transition to their heart to say, he is my Lord. Martha knows that whatever Christ will ask, the God, God will give him, but she's about to learn that for real. Christ Christ says, Thy brother will rise again. Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She believes in the resurrection at the end of time. She just doesn't believe it's going to be now. And it's very true that he will rise again, again, at the last day. But Christ has something much more powerful in mind. Her grief is keeping her from understanding what Christ was telling her and what he's planning to do. I've often thought, and I've said it out loud, that if God would just audibly tell me what He wants, I would do it. Without question. If He would just tell me what He's going to do, I would follow. Without question. And yet here we see again, Christ had just told His disciples, we're going to go and wake up Lazarus. Yet, they didn't believe. He's telling Martha he will rise again, yet she didn't believe. 
He's told us exactly what he's going to do. That's what the whole book of Revelation is. That's what the end of times is. We know how the story ends. But do we believe it? I think I've talked before about Penn and Teller and uh, Penn Gillette, his uh, experience with a, a Christian who witnessed to him. And, and Penn Gillette is a, a atheist. He has no qualms about saying he's an atheist, that he doesn't believe in God. But he, he was talking about this man that witnessed to him, and, and he was not saying anything bad about him. He was actually showing great respect for him. But the last statement he made in the interview that I saw was, if I believed what this man believes, beyond the shadow of a doubt, I would be doing everything in my power to make sure that no one else would go to hell. Do we really believe what God says he's going to do? We said this morning that the only thing standing between the Jews and ultimate destruction under Haman was Queen Esther and her seeking the life of her people from the king. The only thing standing between this world and an eternity in hell are Christians willing to proclaim the gospel. I think we've all been in a place where we have misinterpreted what was said. I, I believe that here Martha is, is misunderstanding Christ's direct statement for his teaching on the resurrection on the last day. But I want to point out that the by far the most important principle of Bible study is we read through God's word and we try to understand it. Is simply taking God's word for what it is. We read about all the things that God has promised for us and we think, oh, that, that will come in time or in heaven. Passages like Mark 11.23. Mark 11.23 says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Or how about John fourteen twelve? John fourteen twelve says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believeth on me, the works that I do, or sorry, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Or verses like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've talked to so many people 
and shared John 3.16 with them and they said, that can't possibly mean me. Can't possibly mean me. But that's exactly what it says. The Bible says whosoever. In Mark 11.23, it says if you believe on him and you ask in faith, you ask a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, it will happen. John 14.12 says if you believe on me, the works that I do, you will do also and even greater works. But we don't act on that faith. The truth is, we try to complicate things. But God's word is to be interpreted in the simplest way possible. There's an old acronym. It's called KISS. Let's keep it simple, Simon. Mm-hmm. It's not really Simon, but it sounded better than stupid. Just believe God for what he says. Martha has no idea that very soon she is going to be removing the grave clothes from her brother as he walks out of his tomb. Christ reassures her with these very simple words, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Those are some powerful words. Martha goes off to get Mary and Mary comes to find the master. And again, Mary immediately falls down at his feet and says unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. This is another spot where I feel like it shows Martha's attitude because as Martha met Christ she didn't fall and humble herself in front of him she met him face to face Mary immediately falls at his feet humbles herself but she is just as heartbroken Mary had not come alone, though. Many Jews had followed her, unknowing what they were about to witness. This act of Christ wasn't just for his disciples, or for Mary, or Martha, or Lazarus' benefit. Matter of fact, it caused Mary and Martha and Lazarus far more problems. It caused Christ and his own disciples far more problems when you continue reading through chapter 11. The Pharisees are going to hold a council and try to figure out not only how they can kill Jesus, but how they can kill Lazarus. This miracle was for the benefit of all of those that would see it. Mary and Martha were enduring great grief and Lazarus was going to be brought out of paradise only to have to return to earth 
and be in danger of death again. Lazarus is going to have to die again. He's not still walking this earth. But all the rest were going to have their lives changed through the trials of these three. Let me remind you that we don't know who is watching us. We don't know whose lives are going to be changed for better or worse by what we are going through. But we do know that there are people watching. And that if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and sit at the table in the presence of our enemies in faith, taking the Lord at His word, they have a much higher chance of having their lives changed for the better. If we crumble and fall and walk away from God, they will follow us and may never look to the Lord again. Now all of this tumult causes Christ to groan in His spirit and be troubled even bringing him to tears. Verse 11.35 was my kids' favorite verse that they've memorized. Shortest verse, Jesus wept. But for such a short verse, there have been so many thoughts and theories set forth over what it means. Again, keep it simple. It means Jesus wept. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2. Verses 21-25. through 25. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. For ye were as sheep gone astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Why is it so hard to, for us to understand that while Christ came to this earth as the only begotten Son of God, He came as a man. He lived as a man and felt as a man. He died as a man. He had to. If he didn't, his death would have done nothing for us. He rose again as God, paying for our sin debt. He walked this earth with all the same emotions and burdens that we do. He just did it without sin. Understand that grief, anger, love, even lust are not evil in themselves. They're emotions that God has built into us to guide us in the way that we live. It's our reaction and our use of and through those emotions that are either good or evil. Now don't get stuck on that word lust. 
If we didn't look at our spouse at one time with lust or desire, we would have never sought them out or given them a second look. Anger is, a, is an emotion that should cause us to change our course to serve God. It's not, it is only when anger pushes us to thoughts of revenge and sin that it becomes evil. The Bible never tells us to not be angry. It says be angry and sin not. There are some things we should be getting angry about. Jesus wept, whether it was because he was heartbroken for Mary and Martha or because he was frustrated with all those that, had, that did not believe in him. His spirit was grieved and he wept. Jesus commanded that the stone should be removed. Martha again doubts, but Jesus is persistent. And the stone is removed. But before any of that is done, Jesus lifts up his eyes and he praises the God of creation. He says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that Thou hast sent me. Thank You, Lord, for hearing me. Thank You for loving me. Thank You for answering my prayer before He even asked the prayer. We need to understand God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Jesus didn't have to say anything. God knew what was desired and what was needed. So many times as I prayed for my wife as she's laying in hospice, I just couldn't come up with the words. I just sat there and wept. But God knew what I needed. God knew what I was asking for. And again, while he didn't answer the prayer the way I thought he should, he absolutely answered the prayer. What confidence it gives us knowing that what you desire most is the thing that God desires for you. Christ didn't have to doubt. He knew that what he was about to do was going to bring honor and glory to his father. What he was asking. And enabled him to go boldly before the throne of grace. His desire had no sin attached to it. It guarantees that God will always answer those prayers and provide that desire. The Bible tells us that we have not because we ask amiss. Because we ask for us rather than for God. But then he made it known so that those around watching could know and understand who his father is and who he is. 
That should be the goal for everything we do in our lives. Not just the visible things, but the invisible things. Again, God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. He knows when we aren't real when we aren't really thinking of him and his kingdom. Christ ends his prayer and says, Lazarus, come forth. And I know we've all heard it. He had to say Lazarus so that only Lazarus would come out. He didn't want to empty the whole graveyard. But Lazarus came forth. And he that was dead came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face bound with a napkin. When Jesus gave a command, the dead overcame every obstacle to obey that command. He overcame death, the bonds that were holding him back, the iniquity and decay in his body, everything, so that he could obey the command of the Lord. And he did it because of Christ's power. We need to understand that whatever God has asked us to do, He's equipped us to do. Now, we're not perfect. And He knows that. But our weakness shows His strength. There isn't an obstacle that we can't overcome if we are following God and obeying Him precisely. All we have to do is choose to obey. So let me ask you this. What is stopping you today? God has already overcome it. God has already made a way for you to obey Him. We just have to choose. We have to take Him at His word and simply obey. Again, Mark tells us that if we ask for a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. John tells us that if we believe and have faith, we will do greater works than Christ. When we started meeting, I made the statement that I think this little church can change the world. And I believe it. We've got a lot of changing in ourselves to do first. But we can change ourselves. We can change our families. We can be the catalyst for change for this town, for this county, for this state, for this country, and for the world. 
if we just take God at his word. The disciples went out after the day of Pentecost and turned the world upside down. Why can't we?